All right, guys, we are back, Jordan and I, and this time I'm the one who's like doing the questions because Jordan preached a couple of Sundays ago, a really great sermon that took the main idea of Hebrews, which is Christ is superior to everything. I really like how he gave us that overview, but then he brought it down to us in normal life. You, Jordan, if you don't mind, uh, just that, that he's superior to all. You hit four things, that he was greater than the angels, Moses, the high priest, and the old covenant. I don't, those four things don't matter to me, never did matter to me, but they mattered to them. And I'm, I'm glad you didn't spend too much time on that because a lot of people maybe don't care, but let, let's just take one. Like, why did the high priest, why did he have to convince them Jesus was better than him? Why did the high priest matter to Jewish believers, or Jews, I guess? Mm -hmm. why, why was that guy so significant to them? Well, because, and I'm not an Old Testament scholar, but from my limited understanding, the high priest was the one who was responsible for being a mediator between God and his people in terms of atonement for sin. So if I had something um, that I needed to get right with God about, the high priest was my guy. And so in that way, he was their lifeline to God. And so they had a very high view of him. He was, he was someone that they not only had a, a lot of respect for, but like they needed him. Like if something happened to him, who's my lifeline to God now? Yeah. So in a lot of ways, I think that, um, yeah, they just saw him as the way that they could not speak with God because they could pray on their own, but be atoned for for their sin. Yeah. So how, then let's just take one step further, then how was Jesus better than him, than the high priest? Yeah, so this kind of bleeds over into the new, the new covenant thing, but whereas the high priest would once a year give uh, a sacrifice of atonement for people's sin, Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice, and he is the ultimate mediator between us and God. So he is not human. He is not um, stained by sin. He doesn't have to give a gift for, to cover his own wrong wrongdoing. Um, he is eternal. He is with the Father. He is with us. He is this perfect mouthpiece for us before God, and his gift was once and for all. It doesn't need to be given on an annual basis. What he did 2,000 years ago will cover you, me, and every generation until uh, he comes back. Yeah, so that once for all time is a really big deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to throw this in, and probably most nobody will know what I'm talking about, but as we were going through Hebrews in my quad, uh, Josue was like, Garen, when I read this once for all time, it reminds me of Loki and uh, the TVA, <laughs> which is for all time. So anyways, that, uh, <laughs> okay, I just, that's why I don't lead these and you do. All the Loki fans out there are like, yes, yeah, I'm all, getting it. All the Loki fans totally get it now. So, but what I, what I love most though, so I appreciate that, that some of that cultural background, but what I loved is you applied it to to some things for us. It was really three things that Jesus is better than my idea of what life should be. He's better than my idols, the things that I tend to love more than him. And he's a, he's better than my secret sin. Um, let's start with that. He's better than my idea of life. Mm -hmm. um, man, I just, I took a lot of notes on that section. Like I, I loved your stove story. Can you, can you tell that again? I mean, I know you're two weeks out from that, but <laughs> Can, can I just read what I wrote and then can you fill yeah, that sure. out? Because I just, I thought that was really profound and that was a great illustration. So you said, God keeps you away from sin the way a mother keeps you child from a hot stove. She isn't afraid you'll leave her. She knows the hot stove will burn you. Like, so why is God, why is Jesus superior, better than my idea of the good life? Um when I wrote that, it's because I was thinking that, because we so often think we know what we want and we're so sure of it. And if I just had this one thing, 
I'll be happy, I'll be fulfilled. And if God's going to be in the way of that, then he's not really for me. And we just, we think that we know, we have such a higher opinion of ourselves than we deserve. Like in every sense of the word, we we think we know so much more than we do. And so when God is keeping us from, you know, I want that Corvette or I want that new set of golf clubs or I want, even if it's something that's really good, like, you know, I really want my mom to be healed of cancer or whatever. It's like, God sees that, he acknowledges it. But at the same time, he knows what's going to make you happy in 2 million years when he's living with you in new earth. Like, and he's, he's got you on that path. And so he's so much more concerned about that than giving you every little thing you ask for. Right. Because he knows what ultimately is going to take you to the best place. And if he gave us every little thing that we thought we wanted, we would a end up in a horrible spot. Um, and two, it wouldn't even really fulfill us in the end. Yeah. That's really good. You you said that in that whole regard, you said that we we have this sense or we think maybe God's withholding from us, which is what Satan was all about in Genesis right, 3, yeah, right? exactly. So like, say a little bit more about that in relation to all this. Like, Yeah, that's just the main lie of Satan that, that all this starts with a whisper in our ear. It's a lie, right? That like God has something and he doesn't want you to have it. And if you have it, you'll be so happy. And that's like the starting point of so many sins, right? Like 90% or more. Yeah, um, that we're trying to right. get something that God's not going to give us. So we got to get it on our own, whether it's, mm. you know, I mean, anything, fill in the blank there. So, yeah, I mean, Satan's playbook hasn't changed and it's silly, but we keep falling for the same lie over and over and it hasn't changed since Adam and Eve. Yeah. So I think I know what will fulfill me and that thing will fulfill me. But the truth is you were, so you talked about sin, seeing sin differently is not really leading to flourishing. Right. Any other thoughts on that? Yeah, just that we so often see it as something that is going to get us to where we want to go, right? And even if I'm not okay with this sin initially, as long as it gets me where I want to go, I can kick it later and I'll be happy. Like we see it as a vehicle to take us someplace and it is a vehicle, but it always takes us further from God. We are O for 2 trillion on like having sin fulfill the desires of our heart. Yeah. It's never going to change. It's never going to work out. And God sees that. He sees that trap. And he's He's like, stay away from that. Not because I'm scared you're going to like it more than me, because I've seen all my kids fall into that same trap. And I'm trying so hard to keep you keep you out of it. Yeah, that's really good. So it makes me think you quoted that to me, that great Dallas Willard thought that we will only trust God if we are convinced that he is both good and great. Say a little bit. How does that relate to that? Um, that whole topic. Yeah. So if we don't believe that someone is both got our best at heart and is able to make it happen, like why would you trust them? You think about every human relationship you have where you really trust that person, they meet both of those standards. And so why would it be any different from God? He is a, I mean, he has a relationship just like you and your wife or you and a friend. Um, and so, so often our sin starts in that place, right? Like that God either doesn't have my best at heart or you know, even if he knows what I want, um, maybe he's not even able to do it. Like maybe it won't work out. Yeah. So I really, for me to live well, I really need to become convinced that Jesus truly is beautiful, that he is truly 100% good, 100% great, that he has my best interest in mind. And when I see him that way, that's when he can become superior to me. Right? Yeah. In yeah. As the good father who wants to give every good gift to their child, but at the same time knows what they need um, and is able to give it to them. Like, when that's our lens of God, it's so easy to follow him. And it's so easy to do the hard things for him because we believe those things about him. Yeah, that's really good. I That section, I just love that section. Let me hit the idol one for a minute. You you just mentioned that uh, he's better than my idols. And you you mentioned Keller. He has 
I, when I did a sermon on idols, the deep idols, he calls them, the, the idols like under our idols. They are uh, what? Power, approval, comfort, control. I ended up adding success. As I talked to Asian students, they felt like success is a driver for them. But of those deep idols, I really want to hit the control one because you mentioned that. Like, flesh that out a little bit more. What If I think that me having control is what leads to the best life possible, how does that not work? Like, how does that actually undermine me having the best life if I feel like I've got to be in control of everything? Yeah, well, once again, we just think more highly of ourselves than we should. And for, I don't, I think that people enter into these idols for different reasons. I don't think every control idol person is the same. Like, <coughs> excuse me, for me, my control idol is kind of born out of my narcissism. Like, I really do think I know what's best. And I really do think that for everyone. Like, if you would just do what I tell you, you would be so happy. And if things just worked the way that I see them working out, like everything would go great. And so that's my that's my control idol. It's a part of my narcissism. And it's not really so much born out of fear. Like it, I think it can be for others, um, but it's, it's born out of an, another ugly place for me. So, you know, in my flesh, I think that I can ordain everything to work as it should. And it's, it's going to be fine. It's going to be great. Um, and anything outside my control, like I can, you know, if I can't predict it, I don't know if it's going to be good. And so it's hard to give that to God. And, and that's, that's something that Satan twists inside me. Like mm. you can't control this. So you don't know if it's going to work out. But the truth is that even if I, even if God gave me the ability to control for just a day, everything, the way that I think that it should, it still wouldn't work out. Yeah. Like I'm right. not that smart. Right. Um, and so ultimately the call is to die to myself and to put Jesus on the throne and take my control off the throne because he is taking me to a good place and he's taking humanity to a good place. And I don't need to sweat the small stuff because I know what he's told me about himself and I trust him with that. Yeah. The, the longer I've lived, the more I've found that when things happen exactly how I want them to happen, frequently it ends up worse than if I if I didn't have the things. And I've learned more and more like, man, when I have control and everything happens how I think it should, frequently it doesn't work well. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. That. And just like a really small story. So Katie's family was out here this last week and we decided we were going to get some, borrow some Jeeps from friends and take them Jeeping on the dirt roads. And I had everything planned out and I wanted to go just like I thought it should. And halfway through our route, this big herd of cows was blocking the road. And I saw it and like I, my control idol flooded into my brain. And I was like, I can't control this. Everything's going to go wrong. I'm going to be so upset. And these Californians had never seen cows up close. It was like they they talked about it for the next three days. Yeah. So like something outside my control that I didn't think of was actually way better than what I wanted. Yeah. And so often our, our yeah. lives are like that. And so it may have been actually a gift from God. In a, oh, but absolutely It's was. not what I planned. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Because he's superior. Because who'd have thought that God knows actually more about the nature of reality than yes. I do, you know? Yeah. All right. Let's hit this last <laughs> one then. Secret sin. Man, get into that a little more. Like, how do you feel like... You talked about that. You'd use a C.S. Lewis story that's really good. How do you feel like we think our secret sin is like superior to him? I thought you said you were going to share your secret sin. That was the... Well, actually, I... I no, I wrote down here. You, I, you wrote it in your Jordan notes. I saw it. It's really for... juicy. I was hoping you would just say it on, on air. <laughs> um, so the point, yeah, and that Lewis story illustrated what I was thinking so well, just that we all we all have something secret. That's, that's a roadblock between us and God that we don't want others to know about. I mean, we all have this. It could be huge. It could be small, but we've all got this on some level. And so often I think it starts as something that we are like that lizard in the story. Like we are willing to live with. 
um, and it's fine and it's not a big deal and it morphs into this bigger thing to where it's actually controlling us in kind of a secret way and we're ashamed of how much it's controlling us, whether it's a perspective, whether it's like my inability to stop judging people or stop lying or stop coveting, or it's an addiction that I've got that no one knows about, or it's a relationship that's not giving God glory. Like it, the, the power switches at some point where we once controlled it, it now controls us. Mm -hmm. And even if we want out like that ghost in the story, like we really can't. And that's slavery. Like we're enslaved to sin. We always are enslaved to sin, but it's really apparent in that instance and so, I mean, it's obvious that Jesus is better than that because he came to set the captives free. He came to free us from our idea of what uh, life should be. And so if we will be strong enough to give it to him, then he'll redeem it, right? Yeah. And so you're even saying the secret sin that I'm ashamed of, that it even gets to the point that I start feeling like I can't see life without it. Oh, yeah. And Yeah, big yeah. time. I mean, the, the person who's addicted to pornography, that it started out as a, as a one-time fun adrenaline rush and then like... 10 years later, I, I can't stop this. I don't want to do it, but I have to do it. Yeah. And that's what sin is. Yeah. It's not just that instance. It's, it's you know, yeah. all sin will control us if we let it. Yeah. And that's the lie of it. And so that's why Christ is superior. Jordan, I thought this was really awesome. Um, I, I think just doing a follow-up talk is really helpful to delve some more into that. So guys, we'll be back uh, in a week or two for our next one, but we appreciate uh, those of you that listen regularly and we hope that you find it helpful. All right, we're out of here, man.